0: Alright, so, uh, like I said, over these past few weeks, we've been talking about biblical leadership. The last two weeks, specifically, we've been looking at Jesus. And we've, we said, if you want to be a true biblical leader, then the one to look at is Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at His life. Look at, look at how He treated people. Look at how He lived. Look at how He led His disciples. Uh, look at how He talked, right? Look at the words. Think about the words that He spoke Leadership is all about Jesus. And so we can't really talk about biblical leadership unless we talk about Jesus. And I've been saying this from the very first week that we started biblical leadership. I'm going to say it again tonight. Biblical leadership is always about glorifying God. It's always about glorifying God. And as we look at Jesus and we think about the words that Jesus said, I want you to know that statement that I make biblical leadership is always about glorifying God. I took that from Jesus. Jesus has said it several times in Scripture, that He is here to glorify the Father. That everything He says and everything He does is about glorifying the Father. Don't just take my word for it. In Scripture, John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59, He tells all of the Jewish leaders who are questioning His authority, He tells them that He came to this earth to glorify the Father. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 17, which is the most incredible prayer in the Bible, when Jesus prayed, He started off in John 17, verse 1. The beginning of His prayer, listen to what He said. Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that Your Son may glorify You. So that's Jesus, right? That's the words of Jesus Christ. He came to glorify God. He is the definition of biblical leadership. So, we can't talk about biblical leadership without talking about Jesus, and we can't talk about biblical leadership without talking about glorifying God. Those are the two most important things that I can say when it comes to biblical leadership. And what we've learned the last couple of weeks, I kind of summed it up in one statement, and we're going to build on that statement tonight, and that's this. Leading like Jesus means that we will embrace relationship with Him, So being a biblical leader begins with being in an intimate relationship with Jesus. We'll embrace biblical relationship, right? Relationship with Jesus. Not only that, we'll embrace the power. The Bible says we have power and we have authority that comes from Him. God created us so that we could be vessels of His power and His authority on this earth. We learned that in the very first study in the book of Genesis. God said, rule the earth. Subdue it. He gave us the power and the authority to live our lives that way. So we embrace relationship with Jesus. We embrace power and authority from Jesus. And we embrace servanthood like Jesus. We embrace servanthood. Last week, that's what we talked about. Jesus said He came to serve, not to be served. He said that in Mark chapter 10. And so if Jesus is leading His people to be like Him, Jesus said, I came to serve, so what should we do? We should serve, right? We should embrace servanthood like Jesus. Uh, Jesus taught His disciples, and He showed them, and we looked at this in Mark chapter 10 as well, that biblical leadership is different than worldly leadership. So so biblical leaders are going to act Differently than worldly leaders. Biblical leaders are going to see differently than worldly leaders. Biblical leaders are going to talk to people differently than worldly leaders. He told us that biblical leadership will cost. It will cost us. Not only that, we will face challenges and it will create conflict. Sometimes that conflict is internal. Sometimes um, I'm selfish and I don't want to do it the way Jesus said to do it. Sometimes I want to make it about me instead of making it about somebody else. So sometimes the conflict is internal. Sometimes it's external. The world is saying, no, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. And sometimes I give my attention to the world. Sometimes I'll, I'll try to do it the world way. And so biblical servanthood, it comes with costs, it comes with challenges, and it comes with conflicts. So What I want to do is I want to look at Jesus one more time before we move forward. And I'll go ahead and give you a hint. As we move forward with biblical leadership, uh, in two Sundays, we're going to look at the church. What does biblical leadership look like in the church body? We're going to talk about ministry, ministry teams. We're going to talk about pastors and elders. We're going to talk about deacons and teachers. And so we're going to break down every area, positions of leadership within the church Uh, but again, I want us to look at Jesus one more time. So when we look at Jesus, what I want to do is I want to look at one of the last moments, one of the last moments where Jesus was really to look, really able to look eye to eye in a teaching environment with his disciples. Uh, one more time where he could speak final words to them on what it means to be a biblical leader and what better passage to look at John chapter 13. So we're going to look at John 13, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17, but I broke it into two parts. So what I want us to do first of all is look at the first 11 verses. And let's look at these 11 verses with biblical leadership in mind. What is Jesus trying to teach his disciples and what is Jesus trying to teach us when it comes to biblical leadership? Verse 1, it says, it was just before the Passover festival. You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said, not everyone was clean. So, let's think about what Jesus says, and let's think about what Jesus does in context of biblical leadership, what we've been talking about for many, many weeks now. Jesus speaks words, and Jesus powerfully demonstrates with actions what biblical leadership is all about. It's about servanthood, biblical leadership, and biblical servanthood go together. And so biblical servanthood is actually the overflow of Jesus' love. Biblical servanthood. Think about how this passage started. In verse 1, right? In verse 1, Jesus, right, it says he loved his own. In other words, he loved his disciples, and then it says in this moment that he loved them to the end. That phrase "to the end" it actually means in, it, it actually means to the final goal, to completion. And, and so it doesn't just mean he knew his life was about to end and he loved them to the end of his life. That's not what it means. It means he is loving them to completion. He's giving them his final words. And his final actions. And so he loved them. And think about this it says he loved them, knowing that every one of them at that table would soon abandon him, and that one would turn him over to the religious leaders, betray him. And yet, what does it say? It says he loved them, and he loved them to the end, in other words, to completion. So that, that says a lot right there. Jesus' service to them, His servanthood to them, it was an overflow of His love. right? And that's incredible to me. Uh, Jesus loved Judas, knowing that Judas was about to betray Him. Jesus loved Peter, right? Even though He knew Peter was going to deny Him three times. But He loved him to the end, to completion, to the full. And so Jesus... And I said this this morning, right? Uh, Jesus did not discriminate with His love, did He? I kind of said that this morning, right? We shouldn't discriminate with our, with our evangelism. We shouldn't discriminate with our discipleship. We shouldn't discriminate with our ministry. We, we, we should tell everybody about Jesus. And we should be wanting to make sure everyone is discipled. And listen, when it comes to ministering, we ought to minister to anyone and everyone who has a need. If God has given us a resource with the ability to minister, we should not say no. We should minister to anyone and everyone. We should not discriminate. Why do I say that? Because Jesus didn't discriminate. Jesus didn't discriminate. He helped anybody, anytime, anywhere. Jesus loved people, right? He loved his own, even though his own would betray him, even though his own would abandon him. Not only that, biblical servanthood is the overflow of Jesus' humility. Of Jesus' humility. And I want to take a little more time here on this. Again, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus told His disciples that He came to serve, not to be served. He came to give His life as a ransom for many. In this moment, Jesus didn't just take off His robe. He didn't just take off His outer clothing What else did he do? He put on a towel. He put on a towel around his waist. And I want to tell you, that's significant. Don't miss that. He took off his robe and he put on a towel. What that means was, he didn't just become a servant. You know what he just became? He became the lowest slave that would have been in the house. Think about that. He wasn't just a house servant. Now he became the lowest of low in the house. The lowest slave or the lowest servant in the house would have been the one washing the guest's feet as they came in. So think about that for a second. Jesus didn't just step down. He stepped all the way down, right? He lowered himself to the position of a slave. Listen to what Dr. Chuck Swindoll says. I, I've been reading a lot of Chuck Swindoll here lately, and so you, you're going to have to suffer the benefit of that. Do you get that, suffer the benefit? It's hard to suffer a benefit. But anyway, listen to what Dr. Chuck Swindoll says. He says, Jesus slipped away from the table and silently traded His robe for the attire of a slave. But this was not just any slave. It was the lowest-ranked slave. The lowest ranked slave is the one who washes the grime and the gunk from the feet of the people and doesn't ask a question. Doesn't ask a question. You step up, I'm washing your feet. I'm not going to discriminate. I'm not going to say, oh, well, you don't look like me. Oh, well, you're not a special guest. So no, no, you step up, I see feet, I'm washing them. That's what Jesus did. Biblical servanthood is an overflow of Jesus' love, but it's also an overflow of His humility. And at first glance, you know, Peter is one of the only ones who speaks up, at least in the Scripture, that's what, he's the one that says something. And how does Peter respond when Jesus, when Jesus steps down? I want you to think about this in context. Because it wasn't too long before this, do you remember what Jesus said when Je- Or what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus said, who do, who do people say I am? And some of them said, oh, you're a prophet or you're a teacher. What did Peter say? Peter said, you're the Messiah. In other words, you're the Son of God. You are the King of kings. So think about what Peter said. And now he's looking at the one he said was Messiah, the Son of God. And he's, he's dressed like a slave. And he's doing the work of a slave. So now can you understand why Peter, right, would have, would have maybe felt this and said, no way, you're not washing my feet. You, you're not wa- I can wash my own feet. That, that's kind of how I look at it, right? I try to look at it in context and put myself in his place, right? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll wash my feet. You're, you're Messiah. You're Son of God. You're King. You're not supposed to be washing my feet. And, and so on the surface... On the surface, this looks like humility. But do you know what Jesus calls it out as? It's pride. Do you know that when you don't accept God's grace, you're being prideful? Now, I, I don't have time to teach that lesson tonight, but, but that's something to think about. When you don't think you need God's grace, and when God is offering you His grace and you don't accept it, that is Pride. That is selfish pride. And I believe that's what Jesus is telling Peter, and that's what Jesus is teaching Peter. Again, listen to this. When Christ followers are exercising the love and the humility of Jesus, it is a direct result of embracing God's grace. Because what did Jesus say to Peter when Peter said, No, I, you, you're not washing my feet. He said, you don't understand now, but you will. And he, and he told Peter, he said, unless I wash you, what did he say? You have what? No part with me. You have no part with me. In other words, if, if you can't take God's grace, then you can't be a part of this work. You can't be a part of this mission. And again, Peter said, well, not just my feet then. If you're going to do some washing, wash my head, right? Right? Wash, wash my hands. And so Jesus told Peter that he had already had a bath. You know what that means? That means, Peter, you've already experienced salvation. You've already experienced the grace of salvation, right? And I love the way Dr. Tony Evans says it. Listen to what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says if you're already saved, you don't need to be saved again. You just need to address those dirty areas in your life. And allow God's grace to clean those areas. To maintain, to maintain fellowship with the Lord, we must regularly come to Him in confession and repentance and bathe in that grace. So think about that for a minute. This is an incredible... And look, Jesus has, has spoken some incredible words. But He's also, he's also performing an incredible action. But that's what he's been teaching his disciples. He's been teaching his disciples how to live and how to love. And, and the way Jesus lived and the way Jesus loved, it can be summed up in one word. Servanthood. Servanthood. It all goes back to Mark ten forty five. I came to serve, not to be served. I came to what? To give, not to take. I came to give. Give my life as a ransom for many. You want to talk about biblical leadership, you want to talk about servanthood, Mark 10, is the is the theme verse, I mean it, it's the, the model verse, Jesus loved his disciples enough to tell them how to live, and he loved them enough to show them how to live, and his servanthood. So look at this, after Jesus demonstrates his love, after Jesus demonstrates humility, And all of it is bound up in servanthood. Watch this next passage, uh, verses 12 through 17. It said, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, What's that next phrase? What's the next statement? You also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Again, Jesus' words are so powerful. And I love that Jesus not only says things, but he does things that, that match, right, that line up. When Jesus says something, he, he's either going to do it or he's already done it. <laughs> and when Jesus does something, it's because he said he was going to do something. It, it's incredible. Jesus' words and his actions line up. And and that's what I want you to see tonight. Biblical servanthood is about knowing and doing what Jesus commands. It's about knowing and doing what Jesus commands. Again, uh, I want to tell you something that Chuck Swindoll said. Chuck Swindoll, he said, I find the idea, I find the idea of foot washing, both literal and figurative, much easier to teach than to practice. That's what he says. I find it much easier to teach than to practice. But Jesus didn't promise to release blessing on those who teach foot washing. He said he would release blessing on those who do foot washing. That's why I tell you all the time, it's not just what you know. It's what you do with what you know that makes the difference. It's not just knowledge and information we're looking for. Do we need knowledge? Do we need information? Absolutely we do. But knowledge and information without action is nothing. What what goods the knowledge and the information if you don't use it, right? If you don't exercise it. And so biblical servanthood, you have to know these things, but you actually have to exercise them. You have to do them. Isn't that what James talked about in his letter, right? Don't just be what? Hearers of the word be what? Doers of the word. And so I think that's so important. Dr. Chuck Swindoll goes on to say this, and I put this on your handout. This is so good. He says, Humility is not simply an attitude, it is an action. Humility is not simply an attitude, it is an action. In other words, you can see humility, or you should see humility. It's an action, not just an attitude. Jesus didn't just talk about humility, did he? He didn't just talk about humility. He performed humility. Like, like he did it. He, he, he lived it out loud. He lived humbly. And so it wasn't just an attitude for Jesus. It was a conscious lifestyle. It was a choice. And it was consistent. We were created. I want you to think about this. And I said this at the very beginning In session one, we were created in God's image. God created us with the capacity to to lead, to lead with power, to lead with authority, yes. But he also created us to lead with the capacity to love and to be humble. You remember last week, those of you who were here, Jesus made a comparison and a contrast. Do you remember? He told his disciples, he said, look over there. You see those Gentile rulers? They exercise their power over people. In other words, they want people to know that they're in charge, that they're rulers. And he used some very important words. He said, not so with you. You remember? I made made very sure you would remember those four words. Not so with you. So he showed them, here's how the world practices leadership, but not so with you. You are to do this. You are to be last. You are to be last. You are to be slave to all. So after he says that, right, what does he do in John chapter 13? He does it. (laughs) He does it. He he didn't just tell them, hey, now y'all need to lead like this. And good luck with that. He, He says, watch me. He does what he told them. He lives what he says. As a matter of fact, Jesus explained to his disciples twice in the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 35, and in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, he explained to them what true greatness really is. Here's what he says Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. That's, that's pretty incredible. So this past week, um, I, I, you, so I'm training for my, my New York City Marathon. It's in November. As a matter of fact, starting this week, I'm 15 weeks away. So um, I started a 20-week training plan. Well, last week, I, I, I was running through this plan, and I came up to this run, uh, and it, it, the name of the run was Run to Be Great. That was the name of it. Run to Be Great. In other words, give it your best, right? Don't go half-heartedly, go all out. And I love uh, one of my coaches on the, on the Run Club app that I use. His name is Chris Bennett. Uh, he's the Nike Global Running Head Coach. I want you to hear what he said, okay? Because when I, when I heard him say it, I immediately thought about this lesson tonight. And so this is not on your handout because I made this note after I made the handout. (laughs) Here's what he said. He said, as your coach, I'm not trying to build greatness inside of you. You already have it. As your coach, I'm just trying to help you uncover it and unleash it. Think about that for a second. I, I depend upon this coach to help me run that marathon, and to run it well. And so I depend upon what he's telling me. And what he just told me was, hey, listen, I, I'm not trying to build greatness in you. You've already got greatness in you. All I'm trying to do is help you uncover it and unleash it. And I thought about that. I, I thought about that because I thought about what Jesus said in John chapter 14. I did put this on your handout. It's pretty cool how God... Puts these things together if you're listening and you're looking for it. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. Listen to that again, right? Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. In other words, you'll do what I do, you'll live the way I live. And then he says, they will do even greater things than these. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. There it is again, right? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 14. So after he washes their feet, after he teaches them, right, how to love, how to be humble, how to serve, how to be slave to all, he tells them this in John chapter 14. So what does that mean? What does that mean when it comes to biblical leadership? I'll tell you, biblical leadership is about embracing Jesus Christ first and foremost as Lord. That means he's master. He's Messiah. He's what Peter said. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Kings. So so if you want to embrace anything Jesus says and does, the very first step is, you are my master. I am your servant. I will never be greater than you. But, right, you also have to embrace Him as a loving and humble servant and even though I will never be greater than Jesus what did Jesus say about the things that I can do in this life he said you can do even greater things like does that not blow you away does that not confuse your mind like for me I'm going how is that possible like like how, i don't part of me wants to be like peter and says no 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 way you're jesus i'm just jeff I I can't do what, I can't do it the way you did it, and I can't do it, no. I got to be careful, don't I? Because if Jesus says it, who's right? Jesus, yeah, thank you, Mike. And Mike did not hesitate, right? Jesus is. He knows who I am. so. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. That's right. A- absolutely. More opportunities. And remember, and I didn't put this passage of scripture on there, but but just remember, he he told them, he said, It is for your benefit. Remember? He said, It's for your good that I go. Because when I go to the Father, he will send to you the advocate. And here it is. The advocate won't just walk by you. He will be in you right isn't that cool he he will be in you and so when you look at everything jesus says right it goes back it goes back to for me and this is just a personal experience it goes back to me i can't tell you when i was running that was that was uh that was thursday when i was running and that that session was on when i heard that coach say hey look i can't I'm not trying to build greatness in you. You've already got greatness. I'm just trying to uncover it. I want you to see it. And not only do I want you to see it, I want you to tap into it, right? I want you to use it. When I heard him say that, like it just, I mean, I can't tell you, I was talking to myself, I'm just glad there wasn't a lot of people driving by because I was talking to myself like I was talking out loud. And I said, man, I got to remember this. I got to write that down. And I didn't, of course, I didn't have anything to write it down with, so I was like thinking about it the whole time until I got home. And, and here's how i put it. I did put this on your handout. Here's what Jesus does to you and for you. Jesus uncovers and unleashes the greatness inside of us. And what is that greatness? It's the greatness of servanthood. And what does it do? What's the end goal? Glorifies God. If we could ever... If we could ever truly grasp this, if we would ever just truly believe it, how much more power, how much more authority do we need? God's already given us all the power and all the authority we need. God's already, listen, you are an image bearer of God. That's who you are. What does Paul say? He says you are God's ambassador. Right? Peter says you are God's special possession. You're a royal priesthood, a chosen, right? A chosen nation. So here's the thing. You don't need any more greatness. You got it. You don't need any more power. You don't need any more authority. You've already got it. The question is, do you believe what Jesus says? And are you embracing the life that Jesus lived? That's really what it comes down to. If you really want to tap into that greatness, right? it starts with recognizing Jesus for who He is. He is the Messiah. He is Lord. He's the only one. And not only that, he is a loving and humble servant. Like that's, that's how you define Jesus. He served. He served. He served. He served. Whether nobody was looking or not, guess what he did? He served. Whether everybody was looking, guess what he did? He served. <laughs> it, it, and it didn't matter when or where or who. He served. And he did it as an overflow of his love and his humility. So, so there's no need to go forward until we get this. See, I, I want to talk about the church, and I want to talk about biblical leadership in the church and what that looks like with ministry teams and pastors and deacons and teachers, because that's important. But if we don't get this right, how in the world are we ever going to get ministry teams right? If we don't get this right, how in the world are we ever going to get pastors and elders right? How are we going to get deacons right? How, are we gonna get, how, how how do we move forward in biblical leadership, if we don't get this right, we've got to see Jesus and hear Jesus. We've got to know Jesus. We've got to believe Jesus. And we've got to obey. Right? That's biblical leadership. There's nothing else to talk about, no one else to talk about, if we don't get this. Okay? Somebody, I think it was... I thought, <laughs> Mr. Bradbury came up to me and he said, Hey, he said... Is, uh, is biblical leadership, is it, is, can that and Burger King go together? He was joking with me. He was joking with me because he knows I like to talk about that Burger King mentality. I said, no, no, that's world leadership. World leadership is having it my way right away. Biblical leadership is, how can I serve you? You see the difference? How can I serve you?